Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, coming up, we're going to preview a huge game this Sunday afternoon between the Eagles and the Washington football team. The rematch as uh, the Washington football team looks to get a little revenge on birds from their uh, loss two weeks ago at the hands of Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. However, big things to play for for the birds this weekend. The Eagles can clinch a playoff spot if they win, and a couple other things go right and the way things are shaking out right now it looks like those things could go right and the Eagles could be looking at a week 18 where they don't need to play their starters at all against the Dallas Cowboys Uh, quite a reversal there so uh, we'll break down that game coming up here in just a minute with Brian Stabby from Hogs Haven he's going to give us the ins and outs on what's going on with the Washington football team never a dull moment with Wift and uh, what it, what's going on down in the nation's capital. Plus, uh, in just a minute, I'm going to talk about uh, my favorite John Madden moment. John Madden, of course, passed away this week, and um, I'll give you my favorite John Madden moment, calling an Eagles game. It's probably not a big surprise. I tweeted about it this week, and a number of other uh, another number of other folks uh, tweeted about it. But it's it's I think his greatest call as a broadcaster uh, was was a call that he made of an Eagles Cowboys game uh, from the mid 1990s. So we'll do that. We'll give you the updated injury report and uh, the latest playoff scenario coming up here in just a few minutes as well. And joining me to help break down this Sunday afternoon's tilt between the Eagles and the football team is Brian Stabby, editor for Hogshaven. He's also one of the hosts of the Cult of Colt. Uh, that's on the Hogshaven Podcast Network, a terrific Washington football team podcast. You want to make sure if you want to keep an ear on the enemy, that's the, uh, that's the podcast to listen to. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Happy I'm doing uh, w- happy game week, I suppose. Yes, happy game week. Uh, uh, we're going to have something interesting. It'll be the first uh, Eagles and Washington football team game of 2022 uh, by the yes. time it rolls around on Sunday afternoon. I forgot to mention your Twitter. Follow Brian on Twitter at BStabby, by the way. Um, so, Brian, as we get ready for this game on Sunday afternoon, obviously these two teams played just a couple of weeks ago. And despite being woefully shorthanded because of COVID, uh, Washington played a, a decent uh, first half. I mean, they, they really, the defense especially held the Eagles' offense in check. Um, the, the the offense itself wasn't, obviously, it was drastically undermanned with a very inexperienced quarterback uh, back there. And, and that won't be the case this Sunday afternoon, right? I mean, they, they have, I know Ron Rivera this week was a little bit cryptic in how he talked about his quarterbacks, mentioning, saying that Taylor Heineke will get the start, but it's possible Kyle Allen will play as well. To me, I read that as, yeah, we don't really think Taylor's going to play well enough to stick around, so Kyle will get some time. Uh, how did you read Ron Rivera's comments about the quarterback situation? Yeah, I think um, coming into this year, there were equal camps between, 
approximately equal camps. Folks who were excited that um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was coming to town and that he would sort of bring an element of excitement, if not sort of a little bit more of a, a known entity. Uh, mm-hmm. That quickly, you know, went by the wayside um, quick in, in what, like the second quarter of the first game of the year. The other camp yeah. were folks who were saying, well, Taylor Heineke almost won us a playoff game against Tampa Bay. It was the, you know, he brought a spark. Let's see what he can do. Um, so that the Heineke camp was the la- was loud. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a bit of a vocal minority, but those folks got their wish very quickly. Um, and I think what we've seen from Heineke this season is he's the type of guy that... Uh, He's a he's an energy guy. I think you know in, in in baseball they call him like a glue guy. Yeah. Um. But his uh his his skill set is somewhat limited and now much more clearly defined. Uh. Mm-hmm. And you know so it's it's that question of like well, do you you have to play him in order to know? But we're at the point where we know. I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Heineke has the ability to be a guy who could stick in the league for some time, be it with Washington or somewhere else, but I don't think he is a long-term solution at starter. Um, his his inability to sort of like make a deep threat consistently with his arm down the field, he, he got hung out to dry um, in a way that I don't think like he had previously in this last Dallas game. And so with their record now where it is and sort of on the outside looking in, um, coupled with a lot of other things that are going on around this team on and off the field, um, I think, you know, Ron Rivera brought in Kyle Allen. They traded for him. They spent like a fifth-round draft pick on him, and he's he's not thrown very many passes. He has had a couple games where he's had to play. Last year, he got the start against the Giants, actually ended up putting them in a position to win and then not being able to convert on a two-point conversion. So at this point, it's sort of like, well, we might as well see what we've got with him. Neither of these guys is the long-term solution. Mm-hmm. We know what we have with Taylor Heineke. We spent the we spent the draft capital to get Kyle Allen. We're doing ourselves a disservice by at least not putting tape together to figure it out. So, in so, some ways, is it a is it sort of a waving the white flag in terms of like playoffs? Maybe it could be interpreted mm-hmm. that way, but I think it's sort of a more big picture move than anything else. Last week, obviously, Washington still undermanned because of all the COVID-19 stuff and, and playing on a short week as well, having having played on Tuesday, then having to go to Dallas to, to take on the Cowboys, obviously got destroyed in, in prime time. And we saw the fight on the bench, uh, yeah. uh, and that was obviously ugly. And, you know, Washington has the, the, the narrative around Washington and the, and the football team has been that of a dysfunctional club. And it seemed as though from somebody on the outside looking in on national TV – now that uh, you know, one, it's just bad luck. The COVID stuff happening, right? I mean, right. you get you get hammered with that, but all seeming to kind of collapse in on itself. And the the playoffs are slipping away. You're getting embarrassed by one of your chief rivals on on Sunday Night Football. It, it just it, it felt as though things were unraveling. Can the team kind of tie things together 
for a game that me as an Eagles fan is is very worried about because I remember 2014. I remember Chip Kelly's Eagles as they were kind of slipping a little bit, needing a win in Washington in order to keep their playoff hopes alive and uh, and and failing to win that game. I was actually at that game and mm. um, just the disappointment of, of an Eagles team that should have beaten that Washington football team that night, um, basically getting knocked out of the playoffs be, be, because of a, a loss in the penultimate game of the season. Is, is there any way Washington can rally and and basically make the, the fears of every Eagles fans come true? NFC East teams love playing spoiler. They love it. It's like their favorite thing to do. So it would not surprise me if Washington found a way to figure it out just to kind of stick a thumb in the eye of the Eagles. Um, so, I mean, all of that is say, yes, I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The deck is definitely stacked here uh, in Philadelphia's favor. I, I don't know what, mm-hmm. what the line is or sort of like what the preview is looking like at this point. But, you know... I think a lot a lot has been made of that dust up on the sidelines and um I think it's an easy narrative to sort of say like well uh they're coming apart at the seams they're it's you know man against man they're mm-hmm. they're falling apart and you know some of that may be true um I think it's maybe a, a little bit overblown um you think about the number of times that this happened like oh they're fighting in practice or in training camp or whatever I think tensions are boiling over um I don't know that there being a sort of a a visible dust up on the sideline is the personification of this team's problems in the way that um folks have sort of depicted it as like in this narrative are there issues yeah there are a ton of issues uh there's a lot going on I mean this team has not met expectations. The expe- expectations, I think, repeating as division champions, which it's now been, what, like 17 years in a row yeah. that the <laughs> NFC East hasn't had a repeat <laughs> champion. So maybe it was silly yeah. in the first place to expect it. Um, right, right, right. But I don't know. They, they, they clearly have some issues that they're going to have to work out. I don't know that it's going to happen in this season. I, I, they haven't gone so far as to say, like, we're in an evaluation phase. But when you're saying, like, we're probably going to play two quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, that, That's where you are. You know, it's you're, it's a, <laughs> it's functionally an admission yeah. in, in yeah. a sense, yeah. Yeah, Washington just seems like a team that's waiting. They're just waiting for their quarterback. They don't know who it is yet. They, they don't no. know where they're going to get it. But the, the entire franchise is just kind of waiting. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be a bridge guy and who knows if he plays the whole season, maybe the, maybe we're, we're, we're singing a different song here, but yeah, uh, this is a, this is a franchise that's just kind of waiting, waiting around. And that's, and that's my, you know, but you're right. These divisional games, especially at the end of the season where, I mean, Washington, I think uh, five, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Seven per uh, 7% uh, playoff percentage, according to five thirty-eight. So, the, the door's not fully closed yet, but it sounds to me like you said, like Washington is kind of taking a look at this, uh, the rest of the season as an evaluation um, of, of their quarterback situation. But looking at the team as a whole, 
as they're starting to get some players back from COVID, now you're dealing with uh, Montez Sweat and, and the situation yeah. of his his brother getting killed earlier this week. I know he wasn't in practice on Thursday, as we're recording this on, on Thursday afternoon. Antonio Gibson wasn't on the field on Thursday afternoon. How, how healthy is this team, and how much does Montez Sweat and that whole situation affect? I mean, we don't know what his status for Sunday is going to be yet, obviously, but that's yet another one of these off-field things, another one of these, these things from the outside that seems to be a headwind against Washington. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it's not entirely unique to Washington, but it does sort of feel pervasive in a way that is um, clo- as close to debilitating as, as you can get. I mean, there are other teams mm-hmm. that have had similar, potentially even worse injury situations. I think like Baltimore, Cleveland, they're the teams yeah. that have just like really um, been the bodies are stacking up there but it's 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 truly a challenge to evaluate what Washington will look like on any given day for any given week based on the number of folks that are sort of cycling in and out of um, the injury list the COVID list they had just two more they had two more guys get put on the the list just today another two guys cycle off um, you know the, the big one being Sam Cosme who uh, at tackle has been an important player for them this year their o-line has been really uh, i think a weak spot for them so it's just like i don't i truly don't understand like i can't conceptualize if i'm ron rivera if i'm this coaching staff you're gonna have to get a rundown every day of like okay who's even here who are these yeah. guys like who who are they <laughs> i don't even uh, like yeah. it's on top of trying to game plan for an opponent you have to manage your own personnel it's just like it's not surprising to me that they're struggling. They the headwinds are are pretty remarkable. Um, so for them to you know sort of be where they are, uh, they made that nice little run there to get themselves back into the conversation, then lose to to Dallas. I think that the first Eagles loss um, was not a nail in the coffin, but it definitely was a harbinger of things to come. Mm-hmm. They in terms of this season. It's just going to be really hard in terms of this week. It's incredibly difficult to evaluate. I mean, you, the other one, DeShazer Everett, um, getting into a, a, a car crash, what, last yeah. week uh, that ended up being fatal for the passengers. It's just like, how on earth can you focus as both, like, a team and man-to-man when there is – this is none of this is to mention, like, any of the organizational sure. issues or malfeasance that sort of has – been systemic for I mean it would be naive to say like 18 months we'll call yep. it a solid 20 years but um, all of that I think makes it really really challenging so let's take a look at some stuff on the field here Brian and if, if you're looking at, at the Washington offense against uh, this Philadelphia defense this defense has played pretty well but I mean this defense has not played against a good quarterback they've not beaten a good quarterback all season uh, yeah, and right. uh, you know that that will probably remain to be the case, you know, as you just mentioned, Taylor Heine, neither, neither Taylor Heineke nor Kyle Allen are franchise quarterbacks. So they're basically playing a, another backup quarterback, no matter who starts today uh, on Sunday afternoon. But um, as you look at this uh, Philadelphia defense, is there a matchup that you think favors Washington? Like what is Washington going to do to exploit Jonathan Gannon's defense on Sunday afternoon? Well, I mean, you, the, the, Big 
the big matchup, I mean, the big thing that the Eagles obviously need to circle, and it's not a surprise to anybody, is that I think Terry McLaurin has asserted himself as being feasibly a top 10 wide receiver in the league. And all of that is without any consistency in terms of who's throwing him the ball. And even when there has been consistency, he hasn't had a quarterback who I would characterize as being in the top half of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he still found a way to make it work. Now, you know, who they match him up against, I think... um, what what teams teams have been, who've been successful have ended up doubling him and then kind of hoping that uh, you sort of say like all right well we'll take away McLaurin and then hope that Adam Humphreys or Cam Sims doesn't go off or or DeAndre Carter um, and by and large that is a fairly successful approach I mean McLaurin still is going to get his but if you can limit it from a defensive perspective that's probably going to be your best bet none of these other guys are are world beaters does cam sims have a good day here and there yeah sure he does i mean does adam humphreys make some catches out of that slot wide receiver position that move the chains from from time to time yes again it's a function of can whoever it is that's throwing them the football get it to them on time and in a way that is catchable and doesn't sort of put the receiver at risk Mm -hmm. that's the big question mark um i mean when you look at the two quarterbacks heineke um you know he's he's got his his strengths i think some of it is um god i hate this but it's sort of like some of it is intangibles um and the rest of it is he's got heart he's got effort when things when they sort of slow the the game down a little bit for him when they take some of the decision making away. He does better when he's not trying to force things. He's he does better. What we've seen out of Kyle Allen now sporadically over the course of two years is a guy who has pretty solid fundamentals. A, I would say a plus arm, so like a better arm than than Taylor Hine he gives you. But there's a, a reason that he's not a starting quarterback in the league either. So. You know, it, it's a question, I think, from an Eagles perspective, from a defensive perspective of, like, can you can you take it away? If Antonio Gibson does not play, um, that changes things a lot. Uh, Jarrett Patterson is their backup running back uh, because J.D. McKissick is on IR. Patterson, you know, he's people love him around here, local guy, uh, mm-hmm. scored his first touchdown in the last couple of weeks. So still young, but having a a good run game where defenses respect that you might deploy your, your back is so crucial to be able to open things up. So if they don't have that, mm-hmm. then um, the calculus changes pretty markedly. Mm-hmm. So again, like we're sitting here on a Thursday, it's hard to know what the roster will look like on a Sunday, but at least sure. there are pieces that you look at to say like, all right, this is, this is what you expect. Right, and as fundamental as anything else is protection for Heineke or Allen by the lines. I mean, yeah. the Eagles' defensive front has been pretty good these last couple of weeks, but again, last week a pretty awful Giants offensive line. Uh, Washington will need to do a better, certainly a better job in order to kind of keep Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and the edge rushers uh, out of the out of the backfield for sure. Right. Um, real quick, kind of uh, flipping the script a little bit here, as, as you look at Jalen Hurts and you look at this Eagles offense, they're going to be without Miles Sanders on Sunday afternoon, but this is a team that loves to run the ball, 
whether Miles Sanders is in there or not. Jordan Howard was in uh, was a limited participant in practice on Thursday. So again, by the time you all hear this, uh, we'll know more whether or not Jordan Howard is going to play. But things are trending in a positive direction there. Um, this team loves to run the football. There, there's no no doubt about it. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a big part of that. Um, they have some they have some guys on the offensive side like Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, who, um, who who are probably his only really reliable targets. Although Quez Watkins uh, can flash from from time to time. Coming off of that brutal performance against the Dallas offense, obviously the Eagles offense is not as high powered as Dallas. But how do they bounce back? How does Washington do better against an Eagles offense that is just destroying teams on the ground? Yeah, and it's tricky because uh, the the defense piece, I think that was where there were the highest expectations this year, and they have not met those expectations. Um, Jack Del Rio, I think, has... Um, there's been a lot of calls for just, like, to change some stuff up, just get some different protection or some different uh, you know, uh, defensive fronts looking out there. They have man-for-man... This is one of the most, on paper, one of the most talented defensive units that Washington has had in a long time. Now, for some reason, they have just not been able tactically to make it work the way that a lot of folks were expecting. That, the D-line, sort of, when the pieces are there, and again, like with Deron Payne, who knows if there's going to be an absence this weekend, um, Montez Sweat is questionable, Jonathan Allen is still, uh, I think, a world beater when he's sort of playing to the top of his game. But there are just still a lot of questions. I think um, the Eagles on offense, when I look at them, they have so many weapons. I mean, Goddard um, is kind of one of those do-it-all tight ends that can give teams fits. When the the matchup, actually, I would say that would be is going to be really interesting and fun to watch is that is Goddard matching up against Cole Holcomb at outside at weak side outside linebacker. Um, Holcomb this year has taken some steps forward where he's kind of a meat and potatoes guy, but his defensive play in coverage has increased. I mean, he leaps and bounds over the course of this season. So he is not a liability in coverage in the way that I think some of these other guys have been, and even the way that he has been in the past. So that'll be a really interesting to sort of see whether or not Goddard, who is, um, I know has had some some injury stuff, but still mm-hmm. presents a real challenge, um, both in the blocking scheme and then also downfield. That'll be a really kind of an interesting matchup. The, the defensive secondary for Washington has been um, pretty bad. <laughs> uh, they, they're they looking at a lot of injuries. Landon Collins going on IR, Benjamin St. Juice going on IR, uh, Kendall Fuller, I guess, is back and healthy, but that will be an area. If Washington doesn't go quarterback in round one of next year, which I'm not saying they ought to based on the class, mm-hmm. but sort of yeah. depending upon the circumstances, I could definitely see them going defensive secondary because it's an area that they um, pretty – pretty desperately need to to bolster if they want to be competitive defensively next year. All right, Brian, last thing for you. Again, this is a scary matchup as an Eagles fan uh, looking at this game. I, I see a wounded animal in the Washington football team that will have, you know, their playoff odds are minuscule at this point, but, um, you know, they would love nothing more certainly than to deal a big blow to the Eagles. And what worries me too is how slow a start the Eagles have gotten off to in the first half in each of their last two games against inferior opponents and opponents with 
really awful quarterback play. So um, that makes me a little nervous. Another slow start. I'm not sure the Eagles can, if they get off to another slow first half, I'm not sure they can recover a third week in a row. That being said, on paper, this should be a game that the Eagles win and really should win relatively comfortably. How do you see things shaking out on Sunday afternoon? I think Washington finds a way to keep this close. It's funny because both of these teams are ones that um, I think have the same issues in terms of starting fast. Rather, they both kind of start slow. Um, mm. Only only one team can start slower than the other. That's just how it works. Um, <laughs> That's right. Let's see. So, okay, it is a, th- a three-point spread. I, I think I think this one could stay competitive into the fourth quarter as long as um, things don't unravel uh, for Washington. And again, like it is really hard to make predictions just based on w- how many unknowns there are. Sure, we're gonna see a lot in terms of the character of this team this week. Um, knowing where you're at, knowing feasibly that. Things are starting to slip away, but you still have plenty to play for. And man for man, each guy out there, I think, is is no one, no professional football player is ever going out there thinking like, all right, I'm going to phone this one in. Um, right. So they all individually have lots to play for. Uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. It always is anytime these two teams match up against each other. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. It may be an ugly one. Uh, I think the Eagles probably do have the upper hand here, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. Well, it should be an entertaining game. Like you said, it might not be a pretty game. Uh, could very well be a pretty ugly game, but most Eagles games are. Uh, ugly yeah, if you don't like that, that, you don't like <laughs> NFC East football. <laughs> Nowadays, yeah, in, in the 21st century, that's just what you get in the NFC East. Well, listen, folks, make sure you're on hogshaven.com each and every day to check out what's going on with the Washington football team. Check out all of Brian Stabby's work there. Go to uh, go to Twitter, find him there at bstabby. And uh, again, don't forget to check out his uh, excellent podcast, The Cult of Colt. That's on the Hogshaven. Haven Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you find your podcasts. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, up next, we'll give you the latest on the Eagles clinching scenario uh, this weekend and uh, some of the uh, clinching scenarios around the NFL. And we'll talk about John Madden's greatest moment calling an Eagles game. That's all coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So just a minute ago, uh, we asked Brian uh, to give us uh, a prediction uh, for Sunday afternoon. And, you know, he, we when we spoke on Thursday afternoon, we didn't know a number of things. Obviously, the injury reports were not finalized at this point. And when we spoke, Antonio Gibson was still available. And uh, we come to find out that uh, Antonio Gibson tested positive for COVID and he was placed on the COVID reserve list uh, along with starting left guard Eric Flowers. Uh, And uh, Washington football team might also be without Pro Bowl punter Tress Way, who recently went on the COVID list. Washington, again, and we mentioned a few minutes ago, also may be without Montez Sweat, who is questionable to play after missing practice all week in the aftermath of his brother dying in a shooting. Uh, Also starting receiver Curtis Samuel and edge rusher James Smith-Williams are also questionable to play. Washington has ruled out starting cornerback William Jackson III. So they're not missing as many players as they were a couple weeks ago when these two teams played in Philadelphia. But Washington is going to go into this game shorthanded, and Antonio Gibson being out is going to be a huge blow to an offense that really relied on Antonio Gibson to pick up yardage on first and second down to give them manageable third and shorts, third and mediums. And even with Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen at quarterback, they're still not likely to do a whole lot if Antonio Gibson cannot play. So 
Again, this game feels like a dangerous game to me. I mentioned a minute ago that it feels a lot like that 2014 game the Eagles lost when Chip Kelly went into Washington, D.C. in the second-to-last game of the season. And uh, fighting for a playoff spot, the Eagles were not able to pull that one out. But so many things are going wrong for Wift. I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to stick with the Eagles for a full four quarters. Again, I think it could be close early, but we'll get to the we'll get to my prediction here in just a second. I did mention that the Eagles do have a clinching scenario, and I know you may have heard this on the NFC East mixtape, BGN Radio. Uh, Brandon and Jimmy probably talked about this a little bit too, but we have some updated information from the last time uh, BGN Radio came out. Uh, the scenario, of course, is the Eagles have to beat Washington. The 49ers have to beat the Texans. They're heavy favorites to do that. Uh, that, of course, is going to be in the late afternoon window on Sunday. The Saints also could lose to the Panthers, uh, and that would also help the Eagles out. And then finally, on Sunday night football, the Vikings have to lose to the Packers in Green Bay, which was already likely with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. But... Kirk Cousins has been ruled out for that game against the Packers. He tested positive for COVID-19 and as an unvaccinated player will not be eligible to return in time for that game. So that means Sean Mannion will be the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, who can clinch the number one seed in the NFC with a win over the Vikings. So uh, the uh, the Packers will have a lot to play for in that game at home, and Sean Mannion going for the Minnesota Vikings. That's a tough ask for him to go into Green Bay and beat the Green Bay Packers in a game that they need for the top spot in the NFC. So Minnesota a deal, dealt with a, a crushing blow there. Um, another team dealt with a crushing blow, again, with, with Eagles connections. Carson Wentz also tested positive for COVID-19 this week for Indianapolis, and he won't play on Sunday as the Colts are attempting to make the playoffs, also an unvaccinated player. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, he crossed the 75% uh, snaps threshold, it looks like, and so uh, this comes at an opportune time for the Eagles, obviously, if he misses any of these uh, last two games. Uh, he could still come off, uh, but I think it looks almost certain that Carson Wentz is going gonna, is gonna to miss Sunday Sunday's game um, against the Raiders. The Colts can clinch a playoff spot with a win against the Raiders, but um, will they have to do it without Carson Wentz? It's looking more than likely that they will. Some other clinching scenarios. The Rams can clinch the NFC West with a win and a loss by Arizona this weekend. Over in the AFC, the Chiefs can clinch the number one seed. Andy Reid's Chiefs can clinch the number one seed in the AFC with a win and a Tennessee Titans loss. Tennessee clinches the AFC South with a win or a Colts loss. And the Bengals can clinch the AFC North with a win this week or next week. So uh, some clinching scenarios there around the NFL, in addition to the Eagles being able to clinch a playoff spot with the Vikings now losing uh, Kirk Cousins uh, for that game makes that makes a Vikings loss to Green Bay all the more likely. So things are really lining up for the birds to clinch a playoff spot. And I imagine at that point, they'll pretty much be locked into the number seven seed. Although there are scenarios in which they might be able to move up. Uh, San Francisco would have to lose each of their next two games and the Eagles would have to win the next two. Uh, and Minnesota would also have to lose uh, one game during that, stre- that stretch for the Eagles to move up to number five in the conference. So, We kind of want the 49ers to beat the Texans, which would eliminate a three-way tie between the Eagles, the Saints, and the 49ers. It would eliminate that possibility. It was a little bit confusing. The way these tiebreakers work, if you're 
if you're going up against a single team, if you're tied with one other team at say nine and se- or ten and seven or nine and eight or whatever it is, so say the Eagles and Saints are tied at the end of the season, and and the the, the, the tiebreaker there for a, for a head to head is the matchup earlier this season in which the Eagles beat the Saints. If there is a three way tie between the 49ers, Saints, and Eagles, that head-to-head matchup, those head-to-head matchups between the Eagles, 49ers, and Saints earlier this year don't matter. What it comes down to then is conference record, and then it goes to some other things. But the Saints would beat out the Eagles based on NFC, on the conference record. And so the 49ers and the Saints would get into the playoffs with the Eagles on the outside on the uh, outside looking in. So that's why we're looking for a 49ers win. We want to eliminate the possibility of a three-way tie. So it seems counterintuitive that we would want the 49ers who are ahead of the Eagles in the NFC wildcard picture to lose, but in order to avoid the three-way tie and the weird tiebreaker there between those three teams in particular, you want the 49ers to uh, you want the 49ers to win, or you want the Niners to lose and hope the Saints lose to the Panthers, which um, I know the Saints are not, they're, they're no great shakes, but they're certainly better than the Carolina Panthers. And so it, the safer bet is for the Niners to beat the Texans, the Eagles to, be, to beat Washington, and for the Kirk Cousins-less Vikings to lose to the Packers in Green Bay on Sunday night football. All right, before I get to my final prediction for a Sunday afternoon, I did want to pass along uh, my favorite John Madden moment. And I think this is a, a for people who grew up watching uh, the Eagles starting in the uh, late 80s, uh, early 90s, the Ray Rhodes era, the 1995 season. I, I've written about the 95 season uh, for Bleeding Green Nation this week. It's one of my favorite Eagles seasons of all time, Ray Rhodes' first season. And that, of course, contained the fourth and one game, Eagles versus Dallas. I'm just going to play for you a two or three minute snippet here of the call from Pat Summerall and John Madden, where John Madden loses his mind when he watches what Barry Switzer does, going for it on fourth and one from their own 29 with a little over two minutes left. The clock is ticking down to two minutes. The score is tied at 17 on a frigid day at Veteran Stadium. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about the wisdom of what Barry Switzer did in just a second. But first, listen to John Madden and his reaction to Barry Switzer not not only going for it once on fourth and one, but then having the gall to go for it again on uh, after the two-minute warning wipes out the initial stop by the Eagles and the fact that Barry Switzer runs the exact same play after the two-minute warning. Give this a listen. And Dallas is going to go for it. Oh, I don't believe in this. I think a tie score on this situation, unless they're going to try and draw him off sides, I think they cannot go for it here. Emmett Smith's a deep back. Wes Smith gets the carry. He doesn't make it. No, that's a bad call. You can't do that. that look at the Eagles. They know that call could have won the Eagles this game. Their field goal range right now. Right now, and then all they have to do is run that clock down. Now they're saying maybe the two-minute warning ran out. No, I don't think so. That ball was snapped before, and you can't stop the play in the middle of the play for the two-minute warning. No, that's that's the Eagles' ball. The Eagles stopped them at their ball. Barry Switzer is saying the two-minute warning. Barry Switzer ought to be saying that he shouldn't have called that play. And he didn't get the first down. He's nowhere. No, he didn't get it. That's that's great defense. The Eagles were all up there. There is nothing there. 
Cowboys offensive unit still on the field. Well, maybe they're saying the two minutes. Watch the official on the far side of the field. He is signaling no play. You're right. You're right. They did say the two minutes came up before the ball was snapped. here he's going to stop the play before the ball snap he's going to say the two-minute warning no I don't think he did that ball was snapped before he did that yep. that's not right either he's I, saying no play I know but he has to say it before the ball snapped after the ball is snapped it doesn't make any difference when the two minutes come up the clock has been reset the last time before we took that break it was at a minute 58 seconds now it's two minutes. Yeah, and if that official's going to stop it, he has to stop the it before it's snapped. The two-minute occurred before the ball was snapped. Therefore, it's fourth down. I don't believe that. I mean, the, 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 the official didn't signal he didn't the two-minute warning until after the ball was snapped. If the ball snapped, you, can't, you don't stop the play for the two-minute warning. I'm now, still surprised the Cowboys are going for it going again. For it again. I think that was a bad call the first time they did it. I think it's a bad call now. It's fourth, and it's still afoot. Emmett Smith is still deep with Darrell Johnston in front of him. Same play. Didn't get it again. Didn't get it again. That's unbelievable. This is unbelievable. What in the heck is going on? The score's tied. You're on the road. will take over at the Cowboy 30-yard line, about the 29 and a half. There's no place here. I mean, this is, this is short yardage defense. The Eagles are selling out against the run. They have everyone up. They just read the thing. There's no chance. There's no chance to get that ball in there against that defense. The linebackers come fill the hole. The defensive backs are in the hole. The line control the line of scrimmage. But still, even that call, I mean, when you're in that area on the field, you have to punt the ball. Rowanowski left the charge. This is Ricky Water. He'll run it straight ahead and let the clock run. Well, Dallas does have all three timeouts. They're going to have to start using them and use them on this series. I thought they got that call, that two-minute warning. I thought they dodged a bullet, and I then they go so back too. and punt, and they did the same thing. Same play, <laughs> same result. Yeah, they deserve to lose. 17-17. So it's hard to know exactly what John Madden is, is more upset about. The fact that Switzer went for it the first time or the fact that he went for it a second time, had, had, a, had a moment to reconsider, decided to go for it again, and then called the same exact play. I think I think John Madden. It was I think the reason I I identify with this moment so much and why I love it so much is that John Madden was articulating the same emotion that we had as Eagles fans. Like he couldn't believe it. He was incredulous, and he I think he almost felt a little insulted, uh, you know, for the Eagles because. It was insulting. It was an insulting decision by Barry Switzer. He just believed that the Eagles couldn't stop his guys, that they had no chance to stop his players, and and decided to just double down and go with the same play. 
Now, to be fair, Barry Switzer had the best offensive line in football. That offensive line on the left side specifically was dominant. But the Eagles' defense was pretty good that year, especially on the right side of the line. They, had, they piled up the sacks in 1995. And it was a slap in the face. And I think John Madden was as much offended by that as Eagles fans were. And I think that's why I connected with him so much on this particular play call, because it, it, it was mind-boggling for the time. Now, in recent years, we've seen more coaches going for it on fourth and short in times and in places on the field when you wouldn't necessarily think it was once wise to do it. You wonder what John Madden would think about the analytics in football right now and how some of these decisions are being made. I know a number of people on the timeline said Barry Switzer made the right call, just the decision to run the same exact play after the two minute warning was the, was the real numbskull decision. I, I'm a believer in going for it on fourth down. I believe in the analytics, but I also believe that you have to take you, those things can't be taken in isolation, right? You can't just look at the situation and uh, without looking at what's been happening, what the momentum of the moment kind of the, you know, the the energy in the stadium, how the, how the game has been progressing to that point. The Cowboys dominated that first half and the Eagles dominated the second half. Momentum was on the Eagles side. I do think that I do think that's a factor in things and and the computers can't necessarily pin that down. The risk reward there for me, I know the numbers when you compute it out will probably say Barry Switzer the odds were better. The, 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 the Cowboys chances of winning that game were better for Barry Switzer to go for it. But I just, I don't agree. The risk reward there was you lose. And as we saw what happened there, if they lose, they don't get that. They don't get that fourth down conversion. Cowboys lose the game. The Eagles are already in field goal position. If the Eagles had gotten a first down. It totally ices the game. Now the Eagles weren't able to get a first down. I, I think the play calling by Ray Rhodes was a little conservative in that particular situation. But uh, the Eagles kicked the game-winning field goal, and then they they hold Dallas at bay when Dallas gets the ball back with no timeouts left and a little over a minute to go. So, in, in this particular case, the risk reward there was if you punt the ball away to the Eagles, they have to drive down the length of the field to get the go-ahead field goal, which maybe it would have happened how, given how the Eagles had been had been playing better in the second half, but Dallas's defense was also pretty stout. And maybe Barry Switzer realized, you know, if I punt the ball away here, even if we stop them, you know, but the, the Cowboys had all three timeouts, so they could get the ball back in better field position and drive down for a game-winning field goal. I, I think you could feel in that moment it played right into the Eagles' hands. You wanted Dallas to go for it on that fourth and one. You wanted them to do that. And it, you, know, it, you didn't want them to punt the ball away, necessarily. I mean, it seemed like a gift. It seemed like Barry Switzer was giving the Eagles a gift, and that's what he did. And I think that's what that's what caught John Madden off guard so much. And so I still think it was the wrong decision. Despite the analytics that will probably tell you that it was the right decision, I still think it was the wrong decision. And I can say that because <laughs> history bore it out. Um, all right, let's go to my prediction here for this Sunday afternoon against the Washington football team. This still feels like a scary game to me, guys. It, it just does. Um, the Eagles have gotten off to slow starts in the first half of these last two weeks against undermanned opponents, and that makes me nervous. I think the Eagles, maybe they'd be able to get away with another slow first half on, on Sunday, but I don't I don't feel good about that. I think the I think Washington will be more amped up to play this game, even without Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think um, 
if Montez Sweat does play, the players may be wanting to come and play for Montez Sweat and and, and give extra effort. Uh, you wonder what the stadium is going to be like there in Washington on Sunday afternoon, if it's going to be more Eagles fans than Washington fans. But uh, it is still a difficult place to play, no matter how Washington is playing. And so I, I think this is going to be another tight game. Uh, I think... I think the Eagles, they, they probably can afford to start slow again because Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen are both not very good quarterbacks. But these two guys can, these two guys can beat you uh, more than, uh, more, more than uh, Gilbert can beat you uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Garrett Gilbert, more, more than he can beat you. So I don't think the Eagles can fool around quite as much with a bad first half like they did. They need to get off to a better start. At the end of the day, I think the there's just too much riding for the Eagles to lose this game, and I just think Washington is too beat up. If they had Antonio Gibson and they weren't dealing with this Montez Sweat thing, it just feels like the the boulder is rolling downhill on top of Washington right now, and the, they just I don't think they're going to be able to get out of their own way. But I do think they're going to make this an uncomfortable game. I think the Eagles will end up winning this thing. I'll say final score. It's going to be closer than the score indicates, but I think the Eagles will pull away late. It'll be 27-19 Eagles win over Washington on Sunday afternoon. And yes, I do think by the end of the day, the Eagles will have clinched a spot in the NFC playoffs by the time Sunday night football is over. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Brian Stabby once again for coming on the podcast. Folks, don't forget to check out everything we got going on over at BleedingGreenNation.com and check out all of our great podcasts at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. Cheese.